Series regular Lee Beckman and I are going to do the first installment of a series of episodes called Of the Dead, Volume 1, The Romerathon. So I hope you enjoy this episode, and I hope you feel free to send any feedback you may have to rankandreview at gmail.com. Rank and Review is now on Twitter. You can seek us out there. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. This is your host and random Canadian, Larry Parsons. Thanks for listening to Rankin Review. Please spread the word of Rankin Review to your fellow movie nerd friends. And as usual, I will warn you now that you can expect spoilers and coarse language throughout the podcast. Thank you, and enjoy. Okay, uh, we're rolling. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I am. I'm in. I'm in Lee Beckman's oh. basement, and Lee Beckman insisted on starting this episode by doing some push-ups. I'm getting ready. <laughs> I'm getting ready because this is gonna hurt. <laughs> it's gonna hurt. This is. You, Are we starting too late? Are you fatigued? No, no, no not at all. <laughs> but this is all about endurance, not making your brain hurt. Yeah. <laughs> because this is what we would call this basically uh, a well, marathon. <clears throat> This is going to be a marathon for this episode. Yeah. This is going to be a two-episode yeah. arc, hopefully, if we can get this done. Yeah. Um, the first episode of uh, my Of the Dead series here is going to be dedicated to the six George Romero zombie movies. Yes. Um, that would, of course, be Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, yeah. Diary of the Dead, yes. and wait for it, Survival of the Dead. It's a lot of dead. It's a lot of dead. It's a lot of zombies eating people. Indeed. And uh, Lee wanted to do another marathon, and it, my first instinct was uh, Halloween, but I thought I, we should do something a little different than another slasher movie. We'd already, we already took a, uh, a hit on the Friday the 13th franchise, yes. so we're going to try something different. The other thing that I will say about Romero and the zombie franchise is that, listeners be warned, I'm coming into this with a huge personal bias. Mm. I have been a fan of zombie cinema since I was way too young to appreciate the satirical bend of zombie cinema. Mm. I've always loved the Romero zombie movies, even though I acknowledge that some of them have flaws. Mm. (laughs) But I come to this a fan. 
And if you're a person that, that doesn't like zombie movies and doesn't like gratuitous violence and, you know, doesn't get why people put up with some of the more amateurish corners of Romero, I don't think I'm going to change your mind. No. But as And a, if you don't like those things, <laughs> please stop listening now. Well, I don't say not listening. I'd say good for you for listening. If, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> if you're learning about zombie cinema and this is what you're choosing to go by, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that you chose this podcast. But uh, you're going with a true blue fan. And it's weird. Kids growing up today would think that like zombies were always with us, that we had like a zombie movie in the cinemas all the time. This very recently this year saw an Arnold Schwarzenegger yep. starring zombie movie I haven't yep. had a chance to see it yet but like we've come to some sort of cultural crescendo here when you have an Arnold movie about yep. zombies they've officially they're ubiquitous yeah I remember taking my kids to see a movie I don't even remember what the movie was but all of the trailers there was like Paranorman yep. and Frankenweenie Yep. And uh, I think it was Wreck-It Ralph, but there was a zombie joke in the trailer. Yeah. Like, even in kids' movies, zombies are just a culturally understood, accepted sort of horror element. And they're popular enough as to be shouldering, you know, some of the big boys out of the way. How many mummy movies do you see, you know? Yeah. Uh, comparatively, how many werewolf movies do you see? I think it, 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 you can say, if anything, it's past being called a subculture. Subgenre. Uh, yeah, it is very much a genre of its own. I mean, there's zombie comedies, there's zombie romances, there's zombie action films. But I can see how the younger kids listening or whatever would think that this is how it has always been. But no, no, no. No, no, no. there was a lull from, I'd say, what, the mid-80s to about um, late 90s? I would say the two movies that brought about the zombie renaissance, as we understand it now, yeah. would probably be the remake of Dawn of the Dead, yeah. Zack Snyder made, yeah. which we'll be talking about next episode, yeah. and Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later. Yes. These were two com comparatively low-budget features that made big money and big yeah. splashes and influenced culturally. Now, of course, we live in the age of The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. But when I found the Romero movies in the late 80s, I... Finding a new zombie movie, finding a, a cemetery man or a dead alive was a rare thing. Mm. Uh, it wasn't like there's going to be another one in in the video store next week, you know. Yeah. It was maybe one every three or three years or so. Yeah. And uh, with the same ratio of good to bad that you see now, which is for, you know, every one good zombie movie, there's going to be three bad ones and yeah. two completely, you know, meh. Yeah. <laughs> right? But people will, again, dismiss that as a specific genre, right? Oh, they're all crap. Well, your typical slasher movie is kind of meh. Yeah. You know, people who love the genre will sort of wade through them and find the highlight reel. Yeah. And the highlight reel of zombie genre is, to a large extent, represented by George Romero. Yeah. Um, anybody who has done well in the zombie world has sort of followed Romero rules. Yes. Um, so, that's me. I have a deep relationship with Romero. Where did you... Oh, I have, I, like you, I grew up with friends who loved, loved zombie, zombie films, and we had long hour conversations of what would we do if, you know, the zombies did take over the earth, and became like epic long three hour conversations. You, of course, know this, man. Yeah. Uh, in high school, I, yeah. was, I was boring the shit out of people about what, yeah. what, what I was going to do. Yeah. But there is this change that has happened to me in my later life, in that I don't find the idea of a zombie apocalypse genuinely exciting. <laughs> and that's scary <laughs> and sad at the same time. Um, 
no, nowadays as, you know, a, a father of two, I really, you know, don't yeah. think it would be exciting to lock myself in the mall. And interestingly, it completely, my initial excitement about the zombie genre had me missing the point of the original Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Whereas I thought it would be awesome to own a mall and, and have all of that stuff and uh, basically rule my little world. And kind of the point of the movie is that, you know, that's a prison that they're in. It's a tomb. Yeah. They, it's dressed up and pretty, and it has all of the, you know, accoutrements of home. Yeah. But it's a tomb. Yeah. And when you realize that it does actually, believe it or not, zombie cinema has a real good way of sort of speaking satirically, mm-hmm. talking about general survival stories, how yeah. people react in crisis situations, yeah. and uh, sort of what it's like for society to break down. The only thing that sort of is the wild card are the zombies itself, themselves, but mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, societies break down, sometimes the shit hits the fan and, and people are left to fend for themselves, and typically when that happens, it, people don't do well. No. And no, Romero's, Romero's honest about that. Romero's definitely a pessimist, he's not subtle in that regard, like, all the, he does not think well of humanity. No. Well... He's definitely a sort of child of the angry 60s, yeah. you know? He's not like a mellow flower child. He's, yeah. he's raging against the machine, but his tool to rage against them are zombies. Yep. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about before we got into the uh, podcast proper and the reviews yeah. is Romero rules zombies. Yeah. Um, Romero is a big believer in slow-moving zombies. Yeah. He doesn't even call them zombies for a while. He calls them ghouls. Yeah. But typically, they are slow-moving. Yeah. Uh, and if you get bit, you get sick, you die, you become a zombie. Yeah. And everybody who dies becomes a zombie. zombie. Yeah. The Walking Dead franchise is very loyal to Romero rules. Yeah. In that respect. But uh, other zombie films we see where it's viral, they're not technically dead, mm-hmm. but they're very zombie. Or, you know, in the Return of the Living Dead franchise, which we'll talk about, uh, they're unkillable and they talk, you know. Yeah. These are all empty vessels, more or less. They walk and they eat. Yep. And uh, it's it, there's no voice to the villain. So all of the drama comes from the human characters trying and struggling to survive. Yep. And I don't know. I find it very potent. I really like the plague and apocalypse genre as a war, as a rule. Mm-hmm. And you throw the z- zombies in it and the violence into it, and I get excited. Yep. Um, I love the fact that one of the things he's essentially saying is, in that sort of universe, you have to keep moving. Yeah. You have to keep moving because if you stand still, eventually you will get killed. I think that is a terrifying idea to me: is that you can't really stop. Um, I understand how aggressive, fast-moving zombies are more oh, yeah. exciting for, like, thrill-edgy or c- yeah. cinema writing, but the point that Romero's making is yeah. that the slow, insidious thing, it's always there, and yeah. it's just creeping up at you, you know? Yeah. Always. They don't sleep, they don't yeah. eat. Well, they'll eat you, but they yeah. won't stop. Yeah. They could g- continue to walk on and essentially survive. Um, another interesting thing about zombie movies, and I think it's... Something that I find generally is true throughout the the Romero series and uh, stands out as awkward in some of the Romero emulating series is that typically in the horror genre there is a balance of the forbidden 
Yeah. The forbidden being extreme violence yeah. and sexuality nudity, right? Yep. Whereas zombie movies typically will bring the violence. Mm -hmm. They typically don't bring the sexuality. Yes. And there's something uniquely unsexy about the zombie world. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I do appreciate is that we don't get bogged down typically, at least in the good zombie movies, over who's fucking who yeah. and who needs to be rescued and you yeah. know the personal needs and inter inter this is pure survival. Yeah. And I think that the zombie movies that don't take it seriously, that make it jokey mm -hmm. and get tied up and try and wedge in a sex scene that's not yeah. needed yeah. are the ones that are getting it wrong. Today, what I want to talk about, again, in my biased opinion, yeah. is how to get zombie movies right. And even Romero, in his this six movies, mm -hmm. has some misses. Yes. Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Let's do this. All right. Of the Dead, part one. Romarathon. <laughs> Welcome to a night of total terror. <laughs> Night of the living dead, the dead who live on living flesh, the dead whose haunted souls hunt the living, the living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. <laughs> Of the living dead. So in 1968, out comes Night of the Living Dead. And uh, this was a really rough, low-budget, ragged feature made over a series of weekends. It's essentially like supposed to be year. like one of three movies that they're sort of driving, you know, midnight driving. Yeah, but it's definitely sort of the kind of rags-to-riches story... Well, I would like to call it a Rags to Riches story, except for they didn't make any money off of this film. But as I far, know, part uh, of its tragic, tragic history. As far as a group of people making a movie with friends on weekends for minimal budget, with minimal means, and coming out with a really solid project product that, in spite of the fact that it was quite obviously mm -hmm. uh, made on a minimal budget by new talent, mm -hmm. sort of took the world, at least culturally, by storm. Yeah. Unfortunately, yes, as we mentioned, when he sent out the the prints to be distributed, to be put out in the drive-in theaters and mm -hmm. distributed across the country, they wouldn't be released en masse. They kind of would tour the country. Yeah. They neglected to put a copyright label on it. Yo. So savvy... They explain that here. Yeah, so savvy filmmakers or, 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 or cinema yeah. owners caught that and made copies of it and would air it regularly. Yeah. And make money off of it, which was great for them, yeah. but not so good for Romero. Yeah. The good news is, at the end of the day, I mean, the exposure of Night of the Living Dead gave pretty much everybody involved in the movie a career. Yeah. But, it, I mean, they deserve to be rich off of it. They deserve more than just that. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. Uh, Romero himself 
said that he didn't really make a profit on Night of the Living Dead until they made the remake in 1990. Yeah. And I think the reason that he signs off on this like a redubbed version that they did on one anniversary, which actually added scenes very awkwardly into the movie, mm-hmm. was just him actually earnestly trying to make finally some money off of this movie yeah. after all of these decades. The yeah. notoriety is great, but <laughs> he is still, after all of these years, a low-budget filmmaker. And... Yep. Uh, not a, I don't think he's like a millionaire, you know? He should be, in my mind, he should be this great, you know... I'm sure he's not hurting for money, but, though. Well, who's I don't know. I don't know, I'm not his accountant, but uh, I don't see him, you know, living on some private estate somewhere. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe he does, and that's great for him. He deserves it, but that's yeah. not how. Not the picture of him I have in my head. Yeah, I, I well... Anyway, yeah. we're kind of getting off course of, of Night of the Living Dead itself, but it, there's a lot interesting about the movie, peripheral to the movie itself. Uh, but I, I think it's interesting to take it in the context of 68, like, the way this movie looks in black and white, yeah. and shaky and grainy. Like... 2001 came out this year <laughs> like yeah. uh it it doesn't just look old and raggedy and hard to us i think even at the time it had that quality to it mm-hmm. and i think that that's sort of almost it feels like almost documentary verite style mm-hmm. is part of the reason that it stuck with people mm-hmm. and added to which you know we have the central player being a, a played by a black man mm-hmm. and that which was not deliberate casting to begin no, with he just, he just came the best in actor yeah, and uh, that that to me makes it even more impressive. <laughs> no, Night Living Dead is a very good example of that whole diamond in the rough. There's it's something at the right time, right place, right idea, and all the elements came together to make a classic movie. And the strength of the conceit and the idea overcomes all of the flaws yeah. that it has, and the things yeah. that you have to overcome when you watch it now. Yeah, the movie does feel kind of dated and quaint in a lot of ways. Watching mm-hmm. it in two thousand and fifteen, mm-hmm. but it still has a lot of punch and a lot of teeth. Oh, I know. Well, I, like the idea is very, very sound, and it's a smart idea in a, in a lot of ways. The characters and the characterizations are not as relatable today as they were when this movie came out. Yeah, they do feel like stock characters, and it does have that rough sort of. Yeah, see, <laughs> artificial yeah. quality to it. Yeah, but the sound core idea of a this plague that's affecting the entire world, and we're just seeing these few people locked into this one farmhouse. Yeah, and the failure, the breakdown of this group of people, their absolute un- inability to work together. Yep, to find some keys and fill a car with gas. Yep, five people have to find keys, fill a car with gas, and drive away. Yep. And they can't even do it. I know. It's a great, great statement on how we'll eat each other first before, you know, us working together to get out of a, a relatively simple task. Yeah. I mean, yes, you have to walk around the zombies, but you could, in essence, walk around them. Yeah. You get a couple of torches, you know, you make a path, take a couple of zombies down. It should be, it should work. Yeah. But alone they cannot. And that is a great, great idea. Here's a, here's a question though. And I don't want to change the subject completely. All right. But what are some of the rules you have for, let's say, a Romero zombie, a Romero zombie and a different zombie? Well, like, for, for me, the Romero zombies, like I say, they're slow. Yep. They, they bite. Yes. Um, you have to hit them in the head, yes. the brain, in yep. order to kill them. Yeah. Um, and, 
Yeah, that's about it. We don't okay, really have... Okay, what do you think their main motivation is? Just to... To eat you. It's okay. Not, they're not trying to eat your brains. They yeah. just crave flesh. Living human yeah. flesh. So here's the question I have for you. Okay. Um, because when Barbara and... Uh, and what is his name now? Barbara and her brother Tom are in the cemetery at the beginning and... Um, and of course, that zombie comes upon them. Yeah. And him and Tom have a big fight. Right. Where Tom is essentially killed. You know, banged his head against a whole tombstone and the zombie gets up and chases after barbara to which i ask he was brained how is that possible is that what you're getting well why didn't the zombie just stop and keep on attacking him yeah and then instead of going you know try and kill her and he relentlessly pursues her yeah well for again i have to fill in the blanks and i don't know if romero has it Uh, i've talked about it before in franchise things and the first couple of installments sometimes it's i look at it sort of like similar to a tv series yeah in the first few episodes some of the characters don't quite feel like they're in sync right and there's a Mm -hmm. few casting changes and uh we haven't quite nailed down who this character is yet and Mm -hmm. all of the rules aren't succinct Mm -hmm. for me that zombie initially attacked barbara that's who he was after yeah this dude got in the way and he got rid of that guy, but for some reason was still focused on Barbara. He was just a nuisance. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that zombie had locked into Barbara. Mm-hmm. Is that typical zombie behavior? I don't know. More questionable would be, yeah, I, I, it looked pretty clear to me like he was supposedly brained. Like he yeah. smashed his skull into that rock. Yeah. That being the case, he shouldn't come back as a zombie and get Barbara. But you know what? Like I said, the con- conceit of this movie is so strong yeah. that I'm going to look way past any of that sort of... Mm, picky stuff and uh the rules aren't really set in any kind of stone for me until we get to the next movie yeah uh where it's sort of implicitly told to us uh through the media uh another forward thinking thing of this movie is how much of the media is used in it we see a lot of police reports we see a lot of our characters huddled around a radio listening Mm -hmm. and a lot of huddled around the tv watching Mm -hmm. like you would in Mm -hmm. a disaster situation right yeah um, and uh, it's still dramatically compelling and interesting, and it has the you know that famous quote you know they're dead they're all messed up, yeah. <laughs> which which reads both strange and somehow authentic to a live TV interview. Yeah, um, I don't know. All of these things feed into like making it feel real. Over a f- oh, working against the fact, like I said, that this is yeah. a black and white old movie that we know you know shouldn't get to us, but I think does, mm-hmm. and I think still works today. It's also a very good idea that he keeps it relatively all in one place. Yeah. You well, could... budgetarily, that's wonderful. Speaking as a low-budget filmmaker, that's what you want. If you can do it all in a farmhouse... Yeah. Ugh. Have you explained the plot to the, to the viewers? Do they need another plot? <laughs> well, that's another of the great interesting things about it. Uh, they don't explain why the dead have yeah. come to life. And haven't really. And uh, Romero never really gives you a definitive answer. And I think that's strong. I think that's a good choice to go with a you know what what answer would we accept and and b i think it's more interesting to see the survival story than to get bogged down some other movie can be about stopping the you know government conspiracy or the plague or whatever it is that's not what romero's interested in he's interested in the mom and pops the normal people in Mm -hmm. their homes and how they would react to it and they'd have no fucking idea what was going on so Mm -hmm. neither do we Mm -hmm. They have to piece it together, and we piece it together with them.
Basically, yeah. It's uh, If I didn't implicitly say it, the dead came back to life. Barbara, who was visiting the grave of her mother, uh, she and her brother was attacked, her brother was killed, mm -hmm. and she runs to a nearby farmhouse. Mm -hmm. She thinks it to be abandoned, but Ben shows up. His car is out of gas. They find that there is indeed people hiding in the basement as well. And they try to survive the night, and like I say, find the keys, fill the car with gas. Yeah. Uh, if not for the rather elaborate excursion to fill the car with gas and the yeah. uh, subsequent explosion that occurs, you could almost do this as a stage play. Oh, yes. Oh, and yeah. because there's no copyright on it, you could without paying Romero a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> the strength of this ending. I mean, like I say... I, I, it's one of the most pessimistic endings, I think, to any movie that I've ever seen. And it's so, And it earns it, though. It is very right in having that kind of ending. I'm just sort of thinking both of this and the remake because the endings differ somewhat. Yeah. Ben, of of everybody in the group, in the original film, yeah. earnestly does the right thing. He gets goaded in by Cooper, our classic asshole archetype. Yeah. Um, but the, And they do squabble with each other. But he's earnestly trying to survive and do the right thing yeah. throughout the movie. And he does manage to live through the night. And he earns it. Yeah. Only to first thing the next morning, upon peering out the window and hearing what he hopes is rescue, to have his brains blown out by some guy who's shooting first and asking questions later. Yeah. And as credits roll, we see people digging hooks into his corpse and dragging him to a pile of bodies to be set on fire. Yeah. Happy, just... happy, 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 happy. No way to sugarcoat that shit, man. Yeah. Like, that is fucking harsh. And it's not the only harsh thing in the movie. A mother is stabbed to death yeah. by the zombie of her child. Another interesting thing, the zombie uses a trowel to, to, to kill her mother. We don't typically see them using weapons. Usually they're bitey. But there is something undeniably sort of affecting about that. Yeah, apparently people have these weird fantasies of you know, wanting to kill their own mother, and that was like, that struck a chord with a lot of people, <laughs> that particular scene in general. The new generation, old generation? I don't know. I don't know. I Like, this movie still remains strong. Yeah. Uh, there's a remake, and we're going to talk about it when yeah. we, we do the next episode. But uh, I think that it doesn't. It's one of these movies that doesn't really require a remake. I'm happy that Romero made money off of it, but this movie is a capital C classic horror movie. If you like horror movies a little bit, you should watch it. Yeah. One of the things that I think works so well for it, especially because they didn't have a lot of money, is they shot the film in a sort of like film noir lighting. It yeah. it feels in some ways very film noirish with you know a bunch of desperate characters, you know in a sort of dark dark almost criminal story. I mean it's 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 a it's a horror movie it's a monster movie yeah. but just the lighting of it that that's one thing that's really really good, and I was kind of surprised to know like this I really enjoyed the sound the music, yeah but you were right a lot of it was just sort of stock footage. Yeah, well, Romero, being a, a, a micro-budget filmmaker, was just getting his hands on anything he could. Yeah. If he can use some footage or some music for free, why why not save the money? <laughs> yeah. And if it works. And, I mean, it's, it's dated like the rest of the movie, but I don't find it overly obtrusive. Yeah. The only time in the movie where I kind of find it a little bit uh, in the way is when Barbara first arrives at the... Uh, at the farmhouse and yeah. she's walking through and there's like sudden 
close-ups of like the trophy animals on the walls and the and the music jumps and that's supposed to be some sort of jump scare for us yeah you know it, it's just uh maybe at the time that was considered a scare but nowadays there's nothing scary about that we're just glad that barbara's found a safe place even if it does have animal heads hanging on the wall yeah when night living dead tries to be a, a jump scare movie it doesn't work but it's like you said the idea of it that yeah. these things just never do stop, and then it, and it can easily over you know overcome you. Yeah. Um, it's a very slow-paced, horrifying movie, where it, there's just this huge sense of dread that is undeniable about it that it sort of produces. And it still works today. Yeah. <laughs> In 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Not that room! Not that room! Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. This situation must be controlled before it's too late. They are multiplying too rapidly. Dawn of the Dead. Meet me on the roof at 9 o'clock. Get out. I don't believe it. We're going to get out in the chopper. We've got to survive. Somebody's got to survive. They kill for one reason. They kill for food. They eat their victims. Imagine, if you will, that something has gone terribly wrong. Shoot it, man. Now, accept the fact that there's no escaping the horrible consequences. George Romero brings back the dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. So fast forward ten years. 1978. Romero had come out with a couple of small features in the in-between. The Crazies yeah. came out, which was sort of a faux zombie movie, and yeah. uh, there's always Vanilla, but people seemed less interested in Romero movies that weren't zombie-centric. Yeah. And uh, although they got made, they didn't really get widely seen. I'm sure that they're more widely watched today yeah. than they were when they were initially <laughs> released. Um so I think that this thing that haunts Romero through a lot of his career uh, comes right out of the gate early in the career here in 78, and that part of him is kind of giving the people what they want. Yeah. In fact, I kind of think Dawn of the Dead, and maybe indeed the rest of the zombie franchise, would not have happened if not for one Dario Argento. You. Who basically swooped in and said uh, to Romero, I am a huge fan. I'm going to fly you to you know Rome or Italy, and uh, I'm going to put you in a hotel room, yeah. and I want you to write a sequel. And I'm going to do everything I can to inspire you. I'm going to get you hooked up with the Goblins for the musical score, which was yeah. sort of a big hip thing at the time. Mm -hmm. And Argento was this sort of huge, respected artiste of, mm -hmm. you know, wearing many hats. And uh, I've spoken aloud in my in the past on my podcast is that I'm not a fan a lot of the time of Argento the filmmaker, yeah. but I will thank him deeply and forever for getting Romero to this point because mm. Dawn of the Dead is an epic fucking horror movie. It is one of the best horror films of all time. As much as Night is a classic, yeah. Dawn is, and I'm putting this out here now, the best zombie film out of the entire series. 
I think no one could prepare people for what came when Dawn kind of came out. Not only just from the sheer epic zombie violence, but just the sheer storytelling. And even to the lesser extent, the acting in this movie. Yes, there's some uneven performances, but the characters are very relatable. And that's one, one of the other things that really works with this movie. He upped the ante in every way. He yeah. boosted the scale. Originally, we have a farmhouse. In this one, we have a mall. Yeah. And... Um, the movie opens sort of with this crazy apocalyptic sequence. Yeah, the zombies are, uh, have started to win. Yeah. They are clearly winning the war and winning the war very quickly. Especially in the in the cities where in, in this one apartment complex, uh, they've been storing the dead in the basement of the building. Yeah. So this squad of the police come in to try and clear that out and yeah. get the people out of the building. They don't want to leave their homes, so... Yeah. Conflict happens and uh, racial things flare up. The cops who are fighting the people and the zombies are starting to lose their shit. Yeah. Some of them are committing suicide. Some of them are shooting each other. Some of them are just splitting. But yeah. it's it's clear. <laughs> things are falling apart. The center is not holding. Yeah. In the middle of this, we meet Fran and her boyfriend, Stephen, who we will refer to heretofore as Flyboy. Flyboy, yes. Uh, he's the weatherman for the local news station. She's a producer. And they're going to steal the helicopter, and they're going to find a safe place to be. Yep. They know, mutually know this man, Peter, who is on one of the SWAT teams. Yeah. Peter, almost ra at random, meets Roger in the middle of this chaos and decides he's going to be a helpful guy to have around. Yeah. Invites him along, and the four of them trot along in this apocalyptic zombie landscape. Eventually... Uh, the first sort of act of the movie ends with them finding this mall, this safe this, haven. This, you know, alleged, yeah, new to or, um... Uh, utopia. Ut yeah, utopia. So, that's the basic setup of the movie. Um, before we continue to ooh and ah all over this movie, yeah. I think that I should prepare people who are coming in as newbies. Yep. This is an incredibly 70s movie. Yeah. And it, it's dated in the same way that the original... Well, it's not the same way that the original's dated, but in the same way you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. The original. There are certain things you have to swallow with this movie. Yeah. And, and definitely the whole... It's time and when it was made is definitely one of them, from the music on down. And there's uh, the great addition of Tom Savini, who does some wonderful for-the-time gore effects. Yeah. For no money. But of all the wins he has in this movie... With the amount of zombie extras and the money they had, and they did have some money to play with, yeah. the best he could do would be to do a general wash gray paint on yeah. all of the extras. And depending on the lights and the different scenes, sometimes the zombies look blue, sometimes yeah. they look gray, sometimes they it's strange. There's a yeah. weird inconsistency to the look of the zombies. That said, I always know if I'm looking at a zombie and if I'm looking at a person. I can tell right away. Yeah. So in that measure, the job is done, but the zombies could look better yeah beyond that pretty much everything i'm going to say now is positive <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah one of the things that can we start you know gushing with the film yeah, now? Gosh. yeah one of the things that works really well and i think with any sort of sci-fi or horror film is the attention to detail of the universe has to be one thing that has to be examined quite intensely yeah. and that is done very well with Dawn the dead even from the first 50 minutes where things are, you know, people losing their shit and that whole sequence inside the building I think is a perfect, you know, introduction to about how bad this movie has gotten and just the insanity of it and even the look of the building and, you know, people fleeing, in, you know, in the background and even in the foreground in some regard. Yeah. That is all done really, really 
really well. And that great thing, and I keep mentioning it whenever I do a zombie movie, and that all these people that we're blurring by, they all have their stories. Mm -hmm. However short or long they may end up being, everybody's fighting to, survi to survive. Yeah. We just, the, you know, end up following this particular group of survivors. Yeah. Um, I think when you go to see this in 1978, yeah. what it brings is a lot of pop fun and entertainment. Because I do think it's actually a fairly fun, by Romero standards, zombie movies. Yeah. I mean, it's still oppressive and dark, but not as dark as it could be, as we'll discuss. And uh, the other thing is some of the effects. There's a scene where a zombie gets the top of its head clipped off by yeah. the blades of a helicopter. I don't think... I can't think of anything that... that people had seen that would have compared to that at the time right like yeah. uh, and, and so much of it throughout the movie and like we've discussed right away like one of the first kills we see in the movie is this guy getting his head obliterated by a shotgun and there's this whoa shit thing like yeah. right out the gate like <laughs> yeah this is we just I, I just barely settled in my seat oh my god <laughs> like, <laughs> and we whoa. still have 120 minutes to go you know and we're just getting started. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's an interesting structurally the movie because the like first forty minutes of the movie very tight action packed. Yeah. Even their journey where you know they pass over the rednecks killing the zombies and they stop to refuel. There's a lot of sort of adventure, almost like chapter one, chapter two energy. Yeah. It's weird because once we get to this mall and once they sort of settle in and they block off the doors and they start living in their utopia. Yeah. Everything stops for a while. Yeah. And especially, we're talking, we, we both viewed the extended cut, the director's cut, if you were, which yeah. is, I think, two hours and 19 minutes. It's a lot yeah. of zombie movie, but it earns it. Yeah. Um, so especially in the director's cut, this middle chapter is, is stretched out. Yeah. And uh, part of you starts, uh, I think because you're a genre freak and I'm a genre freak, yeah. wanting the zombies to come. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you don't, want to, you don't want the zombies to come and eat the people, but it's interesting because the boredom or the potential boredom, I don't want to tell people that this is boring, but no, no. it's reflected yeah. in the characters. Yeah. Like, the characters start going fucking bonkers. Yeah. They have everything they could need. At they least have materialistic all the food. Wise, yeah. They have, like, all the fancy, you know, yeah. record players and all this, you know, uh, accoutrements and all alcohol, anything that they want. Yeah. This this is their kingdom, and there's, there's enough to go around. They don't have to squabble over it. Yeah. And right away, it's a trap. Yeah. It's interesting, and it's interesting that, like I said in the introduction, that when I was a young kid, I kind of missed that. Yeah. And when I was a kid, and I'm seriously talking a kid 10, 12 years old, yeah. the middle part was kind of boring. I think the middle part is where you get your humor and your satire. Oh, absolutely. And uh, the middle part is where you realize that you're invested in these characters. Yeah. In spite of all the violence and craziness around it, when Roger gets bit... It's, it's... Oh, no. Yeah. It's devastating. And Roger was kind of being a bit of a... He was settled. losing it. Yeah. He, he, there's a reason that he got bit. He was, yeah. he was, he was, he was flaking out. Yeah. And it was his fault. And he probably wouldn't argue that. Yeah. But it, you feel it. And yeah. the group feels it. Like, they're going to lose this guy. And that's a quarter of their group. And that's going to be, make it that much harder for them to survive. Yeah. And uh, it's weird how that sneaks up on you. Yeah. The acting also really helps with this movie because it's 
pretty solid and pretty first weight. Yeah. First rate, excuse me. Especially because that's something that Romero's not particularly good at. Yeah, no, he He's, lucked out. He lucked out with this movie. He has a habit of casting his friends. Yeah. And a habit of casting, you know, people that he likes. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he, he sees somebody in a play and he reads them the, you know, back of the card that they happen to be from his hometown. Yeah. Well, I got to work with them then, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll find a part for them in this movie, whether or not they're right for it or not. Romero can be guilty of that, but you're yeah. right. I think especially with the core cast, he did very well here. Um, could you give me the name of the actress who plays Francine? Sorry, I am drawing a blank. Uh, Galen Ross. Yeah. Uh, this was like her first movie and yeah. she was like so petrified while she was doing it that she yeah. was like... Uh, seeing an acting coach, a yeah. professional acting coach, like on her days in between shooting, like, yeah. uh, and doing the best she can, uh, and I think she does well, and yeah. I, I think that the SWAT guys do well too. Yeah, uh, I think if there's a weak link in the chain, it's the Flyboy. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think he's almost redeemed in a way he's kind of got the bitch role of the group because yeah. he's always doing shit wrong and getting things wrong. Yeah. In fact, it's almost like the definition of his character, Scott Reniger. What's, his uh, name? What's no. the name of the actor sorry, who plays Flyboy? Just so. Uh, Stephen. Stephen. David M.G. David M.G., thank you. M.G. Who yes. plays Stephen. He's kind of got that thankless role. Who's He's weaker than these SWAT guys. He's not yeah. as good at handling himself. Yeah. And he's always fucking up. And unfortunately, aside from a few minor wins for him, that basically defines his character. <laughs> But he's the only one that could fly the helicopter, at least for a while. But he that's thats when he really slits his own throat, when he teaches Francine how to fly the yeah. helicopter. He is no longer essential Needed. to the group. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, like I was saying, with the performance, he has some tough lines to choke down, and he's got sort of the character that is sort of difficult to like in some ways. He's yeah. always getting things wrong. But I think the performance is somewhat redeemed when he spoilers. We get to see him as a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> he has this absolutely brutal, crooked zombie walk. And I I love that it, it might even be a hint to Bub to where we're going with mm -hmm. smarter zombies. Mm -hmm. They boarded up the, the door so that the stairwell, as far as people who come into the mall, doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But he was one of the people who built that, that barrier. Mm -hmm. And when he becomes a zombie... He walks right to that barrier and claws his way through it. Mm -hmm. And he walks up the stairs to where they're living. Mm -hmm. And he opens the door and he comes in. And he shuts the door behind him. It, like, when I, again, when I was a kid, I thought he was leading the zombies up. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I kind of just think this is instinctively what he wants. It's just like all the zombies coming to the mall. They instinctively think there's something at the mall that they want. Yeah. He knows whatever it is that he vainly remembers wanting was in this place that was hidden. Mm. And he comes home, and he shuts the door, mm. and Peter blows his brains out, <laughs> which was, you know, the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, like, in a way, I got more pathos out of his character when he became a zombie, <laughs> so that's maybe not high praise. But he's good enough. He's yeah. not, like, loudly awful. I would just say he's probably the weakest of the group. Yeah. Yeah. But, I um, mean, this is a movie that I'm heaping on. High praise. Well, hey, if you look behind you, I know people at home. You know this is radio, not, radio television, not television. But you can, if you can imagine uh, my little man cave, and there's some movie posters on here. Right behind Sir Lawrence is a Dawn of the Dead poster. This film is basically has its social imprint 
on film legend, if you will, yeah. filmography. I think it's will have legs and it will last. Yeah. And I think for all the praise people heap on Zack Snyder's remake, it's in no way an improvement. Well, see, here's the thing. Dawn of the Dead, this version, is very much a horror film, uh, where it, and even the base of it is actually quite slow and methodic. Yeah. Um, what's terrifying, what's terrifying them, uh, about them, especially the zombies in this one, is there are these, all these fight sequences where people are rolling around at each other and they're just, like slowly snapping away at them, which are sh- just utterly terrifying. Yeah. It, and it's just relentless and ongoing. Where in Snyder's versions, there's these super fast, violent, physical, you know, almost rage monster zombies, which are terrifying in its own way, but there's something about it where, you know, they can, different. Yeah. They can sort of like, you know, fall out of nowhere, and all of a sudden you've got this very tense battle on the ground between these two people that is just scary. It's scary. Um, two other big points that I wanted to say before we move on from Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Uh, a, I think, kudos to George Romero, well, across the board, but how prescient he was. Yeah. This is a movie where they actually have a plot point where they have to explain what yeah. a mall is. Yeah. Because these large indoor malls, as they call it, were a relatively new thing on the landscape in the mid to late 70s. Yeah. In fact, the mall that they shot in, he just happened to know the guys who, was, who owned the property, mm-hmm. uh just that sort of sparked the idea in his head when he realized he could have access to this place. It's like yeah. he's, a, he's expanded the farmhouse to the nth degree. Yeah. Um, but as far as his attack on consumerism, before the culture had decayed to the extent that it has today, yeah. he saw it right away and was commenting on it before yeah. people even knew it was a problem. Yeah. So kudos to that. Yeah, and, I, I love uh, the fact that the, in a lot of ways it's social commentary and the whole capitalism and, and making us all sort of zombie slaves. But to... he's not sticking our nose in the shit either. No, he's no. still making a very entertaining movie. Yeah, no. But he's calling the world on its bullshit. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> and the other thing for you gorehounds, because yeah. lest we forget... You know, oh. Tom Savini's going to stab a zombie in the ear with a screwdriver for you. Yeah. And he's going to play one of the bikers who comes to take over the mall, you yeah. know. And uh, the gore effects are still wonderful The last today. 20 minutes alone <laughs> are, are sheer, sheer beauty. Shit gets ugly. Oh, yeah. And it's just, once again, relentless. <laughs> Uh, is there anything more you want to say? We're almost 17 minutes. No, I think we should. We have to <laughs> we soldier push. on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we like Dawn of the Dead, kids. First came the night, then came the dawn. Now comes the most eagerly awaited day in horror film history. George A. Romero's Day of the Dead. We've been punished by the creator. He visited a curse. Hello! Is anyone there? For the few remaining, their only hope of survival is to find a cure. You're wasting time trying to define what's happening. But the odds are against them. We're in the minority now. Something like 400,000 to one by my calculations. And so is Captain Rhodes. Anybody else have any questions about the way things are going to run around here from now on? Their one chance is Bub. It's working on instinct. A deep, dark, primordial instinct. But their time is running out. They can be fooled, don't you see? 
They can be tricked into being good little girls and boys. Same way we were tricked into it. I promise some reward to come. But when the tricks wouldn't work... Their world fell apart. So now we jump ahead to 1985, which was kind of a... There's a really good period here in the mid-80s. There was actually a stretch here where within a few months of each other, Return of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead, and The Reanimator all piled in, almost one on top of the other. (laughs) Just an embarrassment of riches here nestled in the middle of the 80s. Day of the Dead was the least successful and least well-received of the three mentioned. Yeah. Um, it was the darkest day horror is ever known, as they say in the trailer, but it was also a fairly dark time for Romero. Having a hard time getting things made and um, sort of... He was working his relationship with Stephen King, who mm-hmm. did the creep show. Mm-hmm. He almost ended up doing The Stand. He almost ended up doing Salem's Lot. There were a lot of almosts. Mm-hmm. So here he was doing another uh, zombie movie. He got it in his head that he can do a zombie movie a decade. Sadly, fate would deny him even that. But uh, here he is with Day of the Dead. And I think that his frustration and his bitterness is all in this script. Like, this is a dark, ugly, ugly movie full of, you know... really unlikable characters for the large part. They're not even characters, they're caricatures. Particularly the, the military characters. The essential antagonists of the movies. Yeah. They're, they're not even real characters. They're just very loud imprints of human, of human emotion in a lot of ways. Hateful, squealing ignorance. They yell all the lines. And uh, it's got more fucks in it than your typical Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. In fact, that was what got him the, in trouble with the ratings when they were in production before they even got to the visceral, physical, prosthetic effects. Mm-hmm. This is the movie that was going to bring about uh, some Greg Nicotero, who was just a kid working on this one, uh, you know, and uh, candy effects weren't a thing yet, but these guys were, you know, work on this, do Evil Dead 2, and go on to take over the world, basically, of yeah. makeup effects. Um, so... What's not working for me in this movie is the bad guys. I know the bad guys are always humans. Like we talk about, zombies are a problem, an obstacle. The real villains, the real yeah. the real enemy is yeah. other people. Yeah. I get that. But we need interesting enemies. Yeah. We need believable enemies, and we don't have that here. Yeah. But here comes my butt. Yes. But what we do have is another great setting... Uh, another great... I think that the ABCD of the story, the, the, the basic idea of it, is sound. Mm. I think that we needed to have better villains. I think that we needed to have villains that were equal to our protagonists. Mm. And we don't. But we do have possibly the greatest prosthetic effects ever put to film. I think that the only two films that come close or David Cronenberg's Fly, and John Carpenter's The Thing. As far as visceral, believable, ouch, cringeworthy, holy shit, practical makeup effects, Day of the Dead, period. So for you gore fans out there, Day of the Dead may be, you know, the the bath that you want to get into. It has probably (laughs) the best display of zombie violence out of the entire series. 
it, it, it definitely earns its mojo there. Um, um, I agree with you, though, that the villains really take away the power, what could have been pr- pretty powerful scenes. Yeah. Uh, and so that essentially kills the story. Like, we feel nothing for them. We are happy for them that they are being ripped apart by the end, and that's all well and good, but we feel really nothing for them. Yeah. Well, there is a script... For Day of the Dead, you can read it. I have it on the special edition DVD. You can mm. find it online. It was a much more involved, much more... Uh, obviously, would require a much bigger budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romero may or may not have got in his, his own way uh, upon insisting on the level of the language and the violence. Mm-hmm. Because in order to keep that, he lost his budget. Yep. And in order to accommodate losing his budget... Basically, this huge story that was going to go on above ground in the yeah. mines, the second, I don't know if it was the lead story, but the second story, the second tier story of the movie, was utterly scrapped. And it was very involved with them basically training zombies to fight other zombies and uh, quite large in scale and ambitious. Mm-hmm. And he had that taken away from him at the last minute. And he basically had to do this script overhaul. And I think, again, the bitterness comes through. Mm-hmm. in the screenplay and uh that i guess kind of works for the darkness and 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 complete apocalyptic feel of the piece because by this point in the in the romero world we're far enough along in the in the zombie apocalypse no the zombies have won the war yeah. essentially these people are living in an underground bunker and they're yeah. spending their days trying to find if there's anyone else alive in the fucking world yeah, they're they're flying to empty cities and just calling out on a microphone to see if anybody will answer. And uh, you know, other scientists are either looking for a cure, a way to eradicate the zombie product, the zombie problem, or yeah. in the case of the character played by Richard Liberty, is sort of an interesting quack, Doctor Frankenstein, trying to teach the zombies to be domesticated, to behave. Yeah, um, a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, and I think that it could be a double-edged sword, because my guess is that the big sort of operatic sweeping military complex thing that he was intending to do may not have held together entirely either. Yeah. But having to shrink it down to sort of its bare essentials, uh, we get too much white hat, black hat, like we say. There's the, you know, fuck-screaming, rapey military guys... Yeah. And then there's the hippie pot smoking, you know, uh, let's all get along, man, sort of B roll characters. Yes, the stereotypical Jamaican English per- uh, characters. Well, very cliched, but yes. I talked with some enthusiasm when we were talking about Dawn of the Dead about yeah. the zombie performance given by the Flyboy character, David Emge. Yes. Uh, here, I think. Special mention needs to be made to Bub. Could you get the actor's name there? Bub. Is it Shermer? Howard Shermer? Sherman Howard. Sherman Howard plays Bub. Yeah. Uh, and he's sort of the prize pupil of the Mad Doctor. Um, it's interesting. Well, there's nothing that's not interesting about a lot of those scenes. Some of that, some of my favorite stuff in the movie is the, you know, him showing the Bub, the Stephen King book of Salem Lot, and the and the Walkman and. Yeah. The essential flaw in his plan, and he is fairly successful in domesticating Bub. 
Yes. But the catch is, in order to do so, he's been feeding <laughs> Bub. Yeah. And Bub sort of trusts the doctor in the same way the dog trusts the food provider. He's not going to kill the food provider because the food provider keeps bringing him food, so why would he kill that dude? Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be the, where he's landed. But yeah. clearly the ma- the doctor is crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, He makes some pretty sound judgment calls. <laughs> I, one of the questions I have for you is, do you, do you think Romero believes in a military state? Because I sure don't after this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it takes the edge off of it that they are all that evil. It's sort of crystallized in Rhodes, the John Polito character. Interesting, yeah. Polito played a small part in Dawn of the Dead. Um, this is another case of Romero meeting an actor he liked and yeah. reusing him. And I think that Polito definitely delivers exactly what Romero wanted of him. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's delivering what Romero intended. Like, nobody... <laughs> Again, this is, as hateful as it is, this is what Romero wants, but I think it oversimplifies it. It makes the military guys look dumb and uh, uncomplicated. Mm-hmm. They're just blandly, blackly evil. Lori Cardell, who's our protagonist in this, she seems to be the one person who sees sort of the madness, you know? Uh, it's an impossible situation. Can you imagine living in a box under the ground, and as far as you know, everyone else is dead, mm-hmm. and the people that you are living with spend all of their days just fucking screaming obscenities at each other? Like, what are we living for at this point? It's pretty sad and dark. It is. It mm-hmm. is. And painting himself into that corner, this is genuine. That's maybe how it would be. How entertaining that is, and how much you, you know pleasure you can derive from it well that's the question isn't it Mm. (laughs) it's almost like a really dark reality tv show in a lot of ways in that regard but again it is romero sort of truth telling you know like uh it's maybe not as entertaining or as sort of fun as the adventure presented to us in dawn of the dead unless we forget dawn of the dead ends in a dark place yeah Two of our people are still alive, but they have no weapons, they have minimal fuel, and they're flying to an uncertain future. Yeah. And the best case scenario is they've ended up in a box like these people are in. So, you know, it's not a good, <laughs> it's not a good world for them. And uh, what is the win? In this scenario, the idea is that they can just go find an island somewhere and go fishing. And that sure as hell would be preferable. And to Romero me. does explore that later on in the series and we'll how future there. all Absolutely. that is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think what I'm getting at from my perspective is that it is a mixed bag. Um, it is. Its flaws are uh, apparent. But I love Bub. I love the visceral special effects. I love, you know, there's an amazing scene where uh, one of our characters is bit and uh, our, our main character knocks him over the head with a rock and cuts off his arm and it looks almost i mean it's several shots but it look it's so convincing the idea there is there for an amazing zombie movie yeah it in a word of a lie it's the first time in the series where the story just didn't grab me and i think it was just the, the presentation of it yeah um, it, I mean, I definitely understand its its cult pop- popularity. Uh, the the zombie prosthetics are second to none. Like it, it is the champion of the series. Dark, 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 dark. dark. It's just the, I think that Dawn was so fun. 
Yeah. I think that's part of the thing about Day of the Dead. There's just no fun here. I well, I'm, that seems harsh, but like compared to Dawn of the Dead, there's no fun here. There, there definitely has moments of levity and some great special effects. A zombie gets its head split in half at the jawline, yeah, and we see the top half of its head laying on the mine floor, looking around, presumably the way it will until it manages to rot away to nothing. Um, and it's really convincingly realized and, and uh, horrifying in its own right to <laughs> the fate of that creature. Yeah. But uh, I can't hate this movie because I've spent too much of my life loving it. But I, I understand that there are flaws. I think if you're a fan of horror movies, you should watch Day of the Dead. Oh, I understand no. that it's not everybody's bag. And, uh, you know, it's... It, it does. It's good. The wheels are a little creaky, and yeah. I, I can't pretend that that's not the case. But I still think here at this dividing line in you know the first three movies, we're coming to the end of this review of Day of the Dead. The basically the first half of the Romero zombie movies uh, is going to come to a close here, and I think you know with the production moving to Canada and the budgets going to steeper and steeper downhill as we progress. Uh, we are entering shaky territory, and part of the charm of Romero is that he's low budget, he's handmade, and there are flaws. There are, like, there are, there's something that's just the feeling like it's almost barely hanging together in some places, but he can make it work. He holds it together. The center does hold, and it holds enough for this to be an interesting movie. Certainly not as fun. You're not going to get any laughs out of it like you will with Reanimator or Return of the Living Dead. But it's interesting, and it's not repeating himself. So, it's worth a look. They're moving toward the city. There's nothing there, man. They're communicating. They're thinking. Ah! We're going back to see if we can help. In a world where the dead are returning to life, the word trouble loses much of its meaning. We're running out of time. George A. Romero's Land of the Dead. Zombies, man. They creep me out. So I've said uh, before that the 90s generally... I think was overall kind of a weak decade for horror movies. There were there were okay things that happened in the nineties, don't get me wrong. Scream had a you know, sort of like a satirical run. Blair Witch. Yeah, but it wasn't until towards the end of the nineties where things started to sharpen get a little little bit proper dark again. I think that the the wink wink sort of took a lot of the edge out of horror. Yeah. And as we said, by the end of the 80s, zombies had lost their appeal. And in the 90s, zombies were not a big deal until, like I say, Zack Snyder and uh, Danny Boyle revalidated them in the early aughts. Mm -hmm. So Romero didn't manage to even manage what, what he'd originally attended, as he'd said, with Day of the Dead to do a zombie movie per decade because he wasn't able to make one in the 90s. He had a troublesome production with uh, Monkey Shines in uh, the dark half for Stephen King. and yeah. He was still working, but again, there's a lot of failed productions and false starts. And He came very close to doing the Resident Evil movie, at least the first one. Yeah. Um, 
again, the, that seems to be his story. I think that creatively, Romero's lack of compromise may get in his way of, you know, paycheck movies. And maybe in his heart, he doesn't want to make paycheck movies. He wants to make low-budget movies. Yeah. The point is, it's not until 2005 when he's actually offered money, because zombies are back and in vogue again, to do Land of the Dead. And by this time, I think he's ready to do another zombie movie. I think this is different from... Day of the Dead, in that, you know, he's doing a zombie movie because he knows that he's chumming the waters for what the fans want. Um, I think that he had this idea for Dead Reckoning, that script had been around for a while, yeah. and because it involved basically a militarized tank vehicle and uh, uh, a much further along progressed zombie apocalypse than he'd attempted above ground until this point, he couldn't do Day of the Dead again. If he didn't have the scope, it was kind of hard to keep moving forward. Yeah. So, here we are. George Romero's first and only studio-backed zombie movie. You know, big money to be spent. Yeah. He brings Dennis Hopper and John Leguizamo and uh, uh, Simon Asia, Baker. And Asia Argento, yes. And now, uh, yeah, Asia Argento. Uh, he, there again, the connection with... Uh, uh, Dario. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it actually fairly interesting cast. Robert Joy sort of playing It's by far the best cast of, uh, at least acting-wise, it, uh, of the series. He wasn't able to populate it entirely with friends. Yeah. And the production has moved to Canada. This was shot in Toronto. Yeah. Um, in fact, the entire second half of this zombie catalog leading into Survival of the Dead, all of them were Canadian-made. Um... And at this point, I believe Romero himself is partially, it's dual citizenship to Canada and the United States. Yeah. That's all besides the point. Uh, it's kind of interesting to see Romero playing with a budget because you don't see it a lot. It's his most polished movie out of the series. And you know, it makes I, I, sense because the money was there to do yeah. it. You know, a, a lot of the technical skill is, is very high water. Whether it's the you know the, the cinematography, the sets looked very well and put together. Yeah. Once again, the attention to detail, the universe is one thing that really works for this film. Of course, having a studio make this movie, you're gonna get studio actors, you know, at least ones that are very very competent, and he has that here with Land. Whether it's like you said, Simon Baker or Robert Joy or. Uh, Asia, you said? Asia Argento, I believe. That's what he calls her, and he's known her since she was a child. So. Okay. John Lewis <laughs> Simon uh, Baker, Dennis Hopper, of course. Yeah. Who I think is brilliantly cast. Yeah, Dennis Hopper, Hopper is our evil corporate sort of Bush figure. Well, he's basically supposed to be Lumsfeld, right? John Lumsfeld? Rumsfeld? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that that kind of works too, I guess. Yeah. Um, basically, he's sort of greed personified, yeah. and and also you know racist to boot. <laughs> well, well, let's we'll talk about plot. I think yeah. one of the, the interesting things to say too is that this is one of the first like mainstream quote unquote zombie movies, yeah. which begins way after the zombies have gotten here. Like by this point, years have gone by. People have grown up in the zombie apocalypse. There's a pocket yeah. of su humanity that survived around the zombie apocalypse. Uh, so we don't have the beginning, that those moments where, holy shit, what's going on, and the world's falling apart. Yeah. The world has fallen. 
Yeah, uh, people uh, who are wealthy live in these sort of high-rise palaces in a place called Fiddler's Green. Mm-hmm. It's sort of because of the sort of convergence of, uh, of two rivers and that sort of landlocked, protected on, on on several sides. Yeah, uh, they're able to keep uh, the zombies away and uh, live fairly successfully autonomously. Well, the poor people either live sort of miserable lives on the street or make pittances running errands for the rich, driving into this sort of no-man zombie-populated world to get supplies that are needed. Um, so Dennis Hopper sort of is the sort of lord figure, you yep. know, counting his gold coins up in his ivory tower. Uh, and uh, sort of the counterweight to this are Simon Baker and, I guess, Jean Leguizamo. Uh, yep. It's weird, we're supposed to like John Leguizamo for I guess no reason other than he's John Leguizamo as his character is kind of a dick the entire movie an irresponsible dick to boot yeah he gets people we sort of get to know him by him sloppily getting this kid killed by just being foolhardy and trying to selfishly get himself some champagne and uh, he's told not to do things he does them anyway and it costs someone his life and he shrugs it off despite this we are asked to like him (laughs) Um, and I think we just sort of we like him because of John Leguizamo gives him more personality than a lot of the characters around him tend to have he's got some depth to him but I think in his heart of hearts he's just he wants to be the Dennis Hopper character. He would be the guy up in the tower counting his coins, denying people if he could. I really believe. Mm. I think this, the Simon Baker, Baker character is more of an idealist. He keeps saying he's looking for a world without fences, however realistic that may be. But if uh, he can get his hands on the vehicle, for instance, this heavily militarized tank-looking thing called yeah. Dead Reckoning, yeah. perhaps he could just eke out a living on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So right away, he's bringing a lot new to the Baron. I get the feeling like he's been thinking about this one for a while, mm-hmm. um, and he introduces new things into sort of the zombie mythos. My favorite being uh, the fireworks. Uh, he, the zombies get distracted. You, you you set off fireworks into the sky, and the zombies just look up, hypnotized, and you can walk right by them and mm-hmm. steal the stuff and not worry about them trying to attack you because. Pretty lights, pretty lights, right? Yeah. I I thought that was a nice touch, and it was a new addition that I didn't think, you know, jumped the shark or anything like that. I mean, as much as you can buy it, I bought it. Yeah. The zombies get hypnotized by pretty lights, so be it. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. And I really liked the, seeing the special effects on zombies. These aren't zombies just with paint on them. These are like real cool prosthetic effects, some of them completely animatronic. And yes, hot. Greg Nicotero certainly definitely earned his paycheck with this one as well. Yeah, so these are all the things that are the positives. So I'm going to get around to the negatives, but I'm wondering if you can anticipate me. Um, well, I think we've had this discussion earlier, and I think if you were to ask Romero this question, he would be open and honest. He's always loved the zombies. Yeah. He's never really seen them as villains, which... You know, I can understand them. Uh, you having issues with that, because in this one, for sure, the zombies are really not villains. I mean, yes, they're still the zombies, and they're still trying to you know trying to get at the people, but they're definitely seen as more of a victim. 
We've progressed to the point, and we were introduced to Bub in the last movie, so yeah. the idea of the zombies having some sort of uh, understanding of not right or wrong, but vengeance, mm -hmm. or, you know, caring about somebody and being angry that they died, like, we've seen that they have some ability, especially when coached, to sort of remember more of their past selves. Yeah. I'm fine with that, but for me... I like the the fact that zombie movies are like survival movies, right? I, I, I'm always uncomfortable when I'm asked to cheer for the zombies. And I do think that that's what happens here. These yeah. guys who are raiding this town start firing their guns willy-nilly, uh, killing the zombies. Not necessarily just because they're yeehaw, you know, rednecks, but because the fireworks cannons or whatever fail momentarily yeah. and the zombies are no longer distracted so they end up opening fire they didn't even necessarily go there meaning to shoot all the zombies they were they were taking the path of least resistance yeah but they end up shooting the shit out of the town and this one zombie who is i guess referred to as big daddy uh yep uh particularly seems smart and is very upset that these people came to his town shot up the place, took a bunch of stuff, and, and killed some zombies. Over and above that, one zombie who is sort of amusingly decapitated by a gunfire, he uh, compassionately crushes the head so that it doesn't have to suffer an existence of just being a head on a curb. Um, and the zombies take up arms and walk in the directions that the vehicles left yeah. towards Fiddler's Green to go to war, basically. I'm even okay with the zombies following them to the source, or even if it was a vengeance-minded thing. I just don't take it as far as I'm on the zombie's side. If I'm on the zombie's side, what the zombies really want is to eat people. So I can't, I'm not on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on humanity's side. At some point, Romero either got so cynical that his switch completely flipped, or, you know, he just believes that flesh-eating zombies are genuinely of more merit than humanity itself mm. which as dark as i can sometimes go i can't follow him down that road no i don't side with those zombies and a lot of the scenes with the zombies sort of learning and seeing other zombies being strung up in trees and getting angry yeah those scenes don't have any weight for me and especially at the end when Simon Baker's character sees that group of survivor zombies wandering off in their own direction. And he could kill them. They just want to be, you know, what was the line he used? They They're just looking for a place to be, just like the rest of us, is yeah. basically what he says. And to me, I say... No. Well, I mean, I guess they're looking for a place to be, but anybody that they come across, they will kill and eat. Yeah. And they've proven themselves to be a, a more than usual threat, so... Not killing them is actually, I think, stupid. Yes. Romero would disagree with me on that. I've, I've, come off, I've gone off book with Romero here. Right. But I like the movie. Yeah. That, it's that one little element of the movie that I don't like. I'm siding with the humans. And as, as you know, much as, you know, Dennis Hopper twirls his mustache a little bit and, and has some really juicy I'm a bad dude lines... It's nowhere near the cartoon that we were presented with with Day, you know? Yeah. There's a little bit of complexity to him, you know? And, uh, it, you know, there, it's it's kind of sad that the John Leguizamo character aspires to be one of these dickheads. <laughs> but here he is wanting to be on board. Um, 
Romero, again, using actors that he likes and friends, I think it also is trusting of the special effects department. He's famously said to Savini when he's got a new movie coming up, I got a new movie, so think of ways to kill people. That's all well and good, but a cut, there's one kill in particular and, and a couple of others, which I think kind of breaks the arm of the zombie rules to me. There's one zombie that's head is snapped sort of backwards, and its spine sort of springs back with the head attached to bite right. somebody. And that zombie's neck was broken. It either shouldn't have been moving and its brain was still alive, or, I don't know, for me that just didn't... It was a cool special effect, but it, it, it went around the rules. And, uh, you know, Savini wasn't doing the effects in this one. Uh, so he has a very brief appearance, but... Yeah, I... Because he just sort of hands it over, yeah, do what you want, that looks cool. Whether or not it, you know, makes sense within the world that I established. Yeah. There's a few little things like that. If you really want to nitpick this movie, yeah, there are problems. Asia Artento is beautiful, but I, I think she's, there's a language barrier and not all the performance I think comes across necessarily. And some of the dialogue is a little romero you know? It's clunky. Yes. There's a little bit of clunk to it. But the movie works enough, and it brings new ideas to the board, and it progresses sort of the story of the franchise further along. And uh, in that way, it's successful. It's not an A-plus movie, it's certainly not Dawn of the Dead, but it's cool to see Romero with a budget, and uh, it's Romero, warts and all, and I am entertained. Is there anything else you want to say about Lance? Or no. Or do I feel like I mowed right over no, you? No, he, he, he pretty much said it. And... News agencies are reporting accounts of the dead returning to life. What's that? What was that? You can't talk about it. What is this about, Jason? This turns out to be a big thing. I just want to record it. This sort of failure of organization. It's all burned up. The problem doesn't seem to be that people are waking up dead. The dead people are waking up. It's not going down! Shoot in the head! So in 2007, Pardon me. out comes Diary of the Dead. Mm -hmm. And uh, what you have here, it's not exactly found footage, but it's... Uh, it's of that ilk. It's, it's a faux a, it's, documentary. It's of that sub-genre, if yeah. you will. Um, and I think that even though Land of the Dead was a, only kind of a modest success, mm -hmm. um, I think it might have lit the engine a little bit for Romero and Zombies again. Mm -hmm. And sort of maybe even excited him a bit more as a director. Mm -hmm. The budget is gone here. He's definitely going low-fi. He's got about 20 to work with. Um, Let's see how much he actually did. So... Do, do, do. Two million. Yeah, so the budget has gone down substantially. But when you're working in a forced perspective genre, you can do that. And yeah. when you're shooting in Canada, <laughs> you can do that. Yeah. Um, where I think we run into problems with Diary of the Dead, although I do have positive things to say too, mm -hmm. but something that is just unavoidable is I can't help but get the feeling that Romero was really impressed with himself, with this found footage. It's a definitely a little more pretentious than... Definitely in the script, and definitely he seems to really think he's he's like on the crest of a wave. Like he's yeah. he's really breaking new ground and reestablishing George Romero as the master of horror. And I would get behind him if he was right about that. 
Um, but people have been here before him mm-hmm. and kind of better. Uh, it's an adequate zombie romp, and it will give you the payoff of the bloody violence and mm-hmm. what you come to want from a, a zombie movie. And it justifies its own existence within the found footage, although it's constant reminding you of the fact that it's found footage. One thing that that hurts the films, and this is, uh, and this is a constant problem with any film that does this sort of style, yeah. is you're going to have one character throughout the movie filming the entire time. And, of course, people look at him and saying, put the camera down. Yeah. Put the camera down. Put the camera down. And they would be right. And they keep on holding camera for a stupid amount of time. The thing is that really frustrates me about this is yeah. that the woman, the central character of this, yeah. the woman who is constantly telling him to turn the camera off, yeah. is not right a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> Romero has reset the clock here. We're it's not, almost like a reboot. Yes, yeah, we're not progressing from Land of the Dead here. This is ground zero of the zombie epidemic. Everything starts new. A bunch of film students are making a mummy horror movie out in the woods, yeah. and they start hearing weird reports on the radio. Yeah. The group basically splits in two. Uh, some of them go to this mansion owned by the wealthy student to sort of party and wait out whatever's going on. Yeah. And the rest return to their university campus to collect their various loved ones and mm-hmm. see what there is to see. Yeah. Um, all of this, since they have the camera crews with them, is being documented by the people as it happens. And I think if you were a film student... And this was happening, and you know something as crazy as the dead coming back to life, and you yeah. at ground zero on it. Yeah, your instinct would be to keep filming. Now you'd be you'd be filming the stuff that you were seeing out the window of your car, or the encounters with the zombies. Yeah, you would not be filming yourself walking in the hallway and knocking on your girlfriend's door. No, no, that, and that that would be lame. Yeah. Yeah, and they have to explain that in a lame sort of way. And over and above that, uh, she is the person, and they they, they explain this right away, who cut yeah. the footage together. Yeah. So we also have this very invasive narration that keeps taking us out of the movie. Yeah. I would have much rather just watched the footage and had to fill in the blanks myself. You know, we're, we're five movies into the Romero world. I think we should have a fairly under, good understanding of how the zombies work. You yeah. Know? Another thing that that definitely hurts this movie, and it is once again because of the budget, but a lot of the special effects are done digitally, and you could totally tell. Yeah, especially the bullet hits; they really bother me. They just don't—they don't look good. No, like if they looked okay, I guess I would just live with it. I say, yeah, that's not a squib, but I will—I will call it a day. But it's so obviously animated that it kind of takes me out of it. Yeah, it looks cheap. Yeah. Especially coming off of land, which did not look cheap. It kind of sort of stings a little. Yeah. One thing that I think works really well, and he uses it quite well within this, once again, subgenre, is when they get to the house at the end. Right. That is a really well shot and actually quite kind of scary sequence in the film. And that's when the power of the movie starts to really sort of kick into gear. Yeah. And it's isolated moments, too. Yeah. They pull footage, quote-unquote, off of the internet. Yeah. So we keep seeing random news footage of people encountering zombies. Yeah. And then the, like, completely pointless attempt of the media to cover it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I liked a lot of those isolated scenes. In fact, it is isolated scenes and moments of the movie that sort of salvage it into a recommend. It's not It's not an out-and-out disaster, but it's no. got some problems. But... Most of those scenes are separate from our core group, I find. <laughs> like, uh, the 
just the idea of all the people posting on YouTube. There's that woman who says, uh, I'm in Tokyo, it's really bad here. And yeah. all you have to do is just imagine what a place that populated. Yeah. Like, what a shitstorm that would be and how quickly, right? Yeah. Um, the, just the uh, military raiding an apartment and shooting a, an old couple. Uh, and a bunch of zombies. <laughs> wow, he did get a lot of cameos out of out of these movie, out of this movie though. Most like, of them are audio cameos. Yeah, you've got Guillermo del Toro, Wes Craven, Stephen King, Quentin Tarantino, Peg, Quentin Tarantino, Tom Savini comes back. Yeah. But you have to, with the exception of Tom Savini, you have to listen to all of those. Yeah. Also, Greg Nicotero, for those of you who are zombie, fans, plays a zombie, a zombie in the surgeon. hospital. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, all for the zombie nerds out there, there's plenty of stuff to see. Mm -hmm. I think that there's also some off-note humor. I'm remembering an encounter with an Amish farmer. Yes. Which just seemed a little off-tune with yeah. the rest of the movie. Yeah. If the movie had already established a tone of sort of goofiness, then yeah. I might have accepted that. But it was just a little too weird, a little too funny in the wrong time of the movie. Yeah. And again, when spoilers, that guy kills himself, it's a very unconvincing CGI scythe death. <laughs> and one, but it makes me ask myself, do you think you could physically with, be strong enough to not only drive a scythe through your own head, but through the head of a zombie behind you that's attacking you? <laughs> You're asking for credibility. <laughs> so yeah, it does get a little serious. It'll get a little silly. And if you'd embrace that, that'd be fine. But yeah. we also have some really pretentious scenes too. Yeah, uh, the worst of it is handed to the professor, sort of the guy who's was sort of supervising the shoot, uh, and he definitely represents Romero, and that he's this old kind of bitter uh, man looking at the youth of today with some sort of vague disgust he obviously hasn't given up hope because he's teaching them mm -hmm. but this is not how the world should be and he's always calling people on it and I, not subtly you think it's you think it's romero that's the sort of well i think that that's who he most identifies with he has this huge speech about old men and mirrors towards the end of the movie yeah and uh i don't know i really felt romero grinding his axe through that character I could be wrong. I haven't had an interview with Romero to, to discuss him. Yeah, I, I just uh, thought he was just him sort of making fun of the world of academia or maybe his own disgust too, but whatever. But you get the I feeling... I digress. He seems you like digress. he's got like a hard background to him, like he, yeah. could, he could kill and kick ass if he wanted, but instead he chooses to use a bow and arrow. You know, uh, it's just uh, always pointing out the other people's wrong, faults and wrongs and uh, basically along for the ride because he doesn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. By his own admissions. And an alcoholic. I don't see he having a lot of life expectancy in the new zombie world that he is presented with. Yeah. Um, there's also, what's her name? Uh, Maslany? Tati Tatiana Maslany? Maslany. Saskatchewan uh, actress. Regina. Uh, she plays uh, Mary. It's a small supporting role. Uh, doesn't last too deep into the movie, but... Uh, no. Nope. Star spotting, and I like to support Canadian talent. And Have she's you watched local. any of her show? I haven't seen Orphan Black, Neither but I'm told I. that it's really good. Yeah, from everybody. Um, and I just generally blandly will support any Canadian talent, especially if they're from you know my my neck of the woods. So yeah, go girl, way to be in a Romero. Tatiana Maslany. 
So I think what we're saying is we got a mix, mixed bag. I will say this. I had a greater appreciation for Diary. Upon revisiting. Uh, upon revisiting. It has its creaks and moans and obvious problems. Yeah. You know, the whole... And that's part of the subgenre, which, which is playing, I think, is part of it. Yeah. It, it. It had been done to death, almost, by the time this movie had come out. Yeah. There's been other films of Blair Witch's quality. Um, you saw the writing, like, in all of Romero's films. It's, it's just plenty, and the actors really have to sell it, and they're not exactly A-talent. There's a lot of, actually, sort of semi-popular Canadian actors in this movie. Yeah. Or even celebrities, such as, what's this, Brian Mulroney's kid... When, another, ben another, another face you want to slap yeah <laughs> yeah well again it's kind of cool for me in a way I was like welcome to Canada Romero but yeah. uh, it, his movies do feel different the movies he made in Canada do feel different yeah. than the movies he made in the United States but to be fair there's you know decades of time separating them as well so well he yeah, definitely had more than one zombie story up his sleeve since yeah. Generally speaking, kind of a mixed bag. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think you're right. I think the first time you watch it, you're kind of off-put by the found footage or the forced perspective format. Yeah. When you can go back and just just dismiss all of that and try and just watch it as a straight-up zombie movie, yeah. then I think you can have some fun with it. I think Romero is a very good master at creating suspense with slow zombies. Whenever it's you know just focusing on the zombies and not their sort of extra character diatribe, Right. Where there are sort of long, well-edited, suspenseful sequences of you know zombies kind of lurking around and slowly hunting these humans. Yeah. It's really well done. Whether it's the house or the hospital, I remember the hospital scene being quite good, and it has that sort of once again computer CGI death of the zombies' eyeballs missing yeah. out of the head, which they is probably the zombies' head. Yes, which, come it's, on. it's the kill of the movie, but. <laughs> But what I like is that yeah. they defib the zombie's head, and it doesn't it still come back up again? Something like that, I think so. <laughs> just scrambled the brains for a second, yeah. but just no, I still want to eat you. Why do you think he went back to almost like a reboot for the beginning of Diary? My guess is a lot of it would have to do with the budget. Yeah, I think that since he didn't have a big studio backing him, and it wasn't going to be a lock that. Uh, it's easier to not have the landscape be overgrown and desolate and have a cast of thousands. If you, you can bear it down into the window of your camera lens, you can, you know, shoot in the modern world fairly easily and work around the supposed zombie apocalypse and help your budget. And I think, you know, for a low-budget movie, there there is some punch to it. There's some a few good scenes. I kind of like that one zombie that gets the jar of acid smashed over his head and his brain melts out of his skull as he sort of staggers away. It certainly has moments where, you know, the CG works for it. But I'm old school, and I want to No, the prosthetics, the, prosthetics. The, the, the prosthetics always look good. They'll always be better. Yeah. Hands down. Hands down. Last time anyone counted, 53 million people were dying every year, 150,000 every day, 107 every minute. It had become an us-versus-them world. All we were looking for was a place where there was no... them. Lousy times make lousy people. All the wrong people are dying. This island needs to be rid of them. We like it here. We think the best way of seeing this through is here. We don't want no place. We want some place. Like where? Like an island. It's an island off the coast of Delaware. Come on over. <laughs>
only families ever lived on this island were yours and mine. No strangers. What are you gonna do with that? They're Muldoons. It's up to me to save them. You can't save a person who's already dead. Somebody's gonna find a cure for this. Oh, a beautiful place to live. Okay, we've made it to 2009 and survival Talking of the about dead. survival. <laughs> I'm a survivor. What's that uh, Beyonce song? You're asking me what that by... I have no idea. Right, I couldn't sorry. pick Beyonce out of a fucking lineup. Seriously. <laughs> wow. I really couldn't. <laughs> like, wow. I really couldn't. Um, survival of the dead. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. This is Romero's absolute nader worst zombie movie. And you're, you're, you're coming out already with that's, guns, a bl- that's, guns a blazing. That's where I start with this. And uh, it, it reminds me of... Early in his career, he did this movie called Night Riders, <laughs> starring Ed Harris. This yeah. very pretentious, like uh, they're much, they, they should be carnies or something like that. Yeah. You know, they sort of dress up and treat each other with medieval uh, rules and whatnot. But they ride around on motorbikes and are very arrogant. And it's an almost unwatchably terrible movie. Yeah, it's really bad. If not for Night Riders, I think that this would probably be his worst film, period. I kind of felt like, I think Romero always maybe resented that he was just thought of as a horror guy and not like this sort of brilliant, political, angry, social commentary commentary guy. He was just dismissed as a gore guy. And I think that he had, honestly, always wanted to make a Western. Well, yeah, it's kind of a weird mix, uh, since, since we'll get right to it, that... One of the things that clearly does not work is that zombies is not a Western movie. It shouldn't be. It should, you can make a zombie comedy or you can make a zombie film funny, as case in point to Zombieland. And, if you want to make a zombie body. Western, you're welcome to try. I but would it's make such it, an I would odd make it, mix. But make it a period Western. Because I think honest Westerns, as we understand them, don't exist in the modern age. Right? Yeah. The world isn't as wild as it used to be. Yeah basic premise of this is some survivors uh one of whom or a few of whom we met in the previous movie they yeah. robbed the uh, there is some connective tissue yes. pardon the pun they robbed our the weapons off of our characters in the previous hey movie. doesn't land also have some connective tissue it to, does. to survive yeah, ben sprang is in all three of these yeah yeah he's the soldier right correct but he dies in land but he's not the same character, just yes. the same actor. Uh, like I say, Romero really, if he finds an actor he likes, he will reuse them. Well, so he was available, he called them back. Yeah. Um, yeah. A bunch of survivors find an island that is populated and relatively safe, except for there's two feuding families. Yep. And the family's principal basis of the feud, is sort of religious in basis, is that one guy thinks that the zombies can be saved and that they should just sort of be corralled until something cure can be found. And the other guy is a kill them all and let God sort them out sort of ter- kind of approach. And i got to say, in a world full of zombies, I'd have to side with him. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, these survivors wander into the middle of this petty feud. Yeah. And 
played by a bunch of very familiar Canadian TV actors. Kenneth Welsh, I think, yeah. is one of them. He, Throwing bizarre, not quite newfie, not quite southern accents. I don't know Irish or... I don't know what the fuck they were going for. Yeah, though. you can't take any of the performance seriously with this movie, and I don't know if that's either... Is that intentional? <laughs> well, again, he does swing for some humor in this. Some of the yeah. humor kind of works. But there are times where he asks us to take it very seriously. Yeah. And I can't. Yeah. And the characters of all of his movies are the worst drawn. Yeah. There's one guy who is completely identified by the fact that he is Latino. <laughs> there yeah. is one woman who is completely identified by the fact that she's, she's a, a lesbian. lesbian. Every fucking time she's on screen, she reminds us that she's a lesbian. The first time we see her, she's masturbating. masturbating. Yeah. It's really kind of embarrassing how bad the screenplay is at this point. And, yeah. uh, you know, as much as Diary had its problems, it is made to look like a masterpiece when compared to Survival. Yeah, he did write it. The thing is, is, like, I would almost be tempted if somebody hadn't seen any of the Romero movies to try and experiment with someone and say, by all means, watch the six Romero movies. Mm -hmm. Watch them in reverse order. <laughs> Start with Survival and work backwards to Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> because you will get them, like, your experience will improve with, 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 with each subsequent movie, more or less. You know, it gets kind of grave when you get to the dawn and night. But, like, I don't know. In a way, this is kind of a sad petering out for Romero's zombie movies. You think he's me. done? Um, well, I don't think he's entirely done. I know he and his son have uh, started a Kickstarter to get Night of the Living Dead Origins made, which presumes to be a period movie that's going to explain actually why the zombies came to be. But he's not going to direct that. His son is. He's also and then the there's a TV series based Empire on a comic the book. That Empire he, of the Dead, yeah. yeah. He story outlined this comic book for Marvel, and the comic sells well, ironically, on the heels of the popularity of The Walking Dead. So they're going to make another zombie TV series. But my guess is that he'll get a production credit on a paycheck. But I don't know. He's, he's, he's kind of long in the tooth. Um, it, I, I, if he wants to make more zombie movies, I by all means let him. But... Uh, on the sort of diminishing returns of Land Diary and Survival of the Dead, I, it's hard for me to say, yeah, Romero, keep them coming, <laughs> you know? If he yeah. wants to make another zombie, I'm in. I'm all in. I will watch it. But yeah. I kind of get the feeling with Survival that... I can't find an isolated scene in Survival to be really excited about. Like I said, there were some great scenes isolated in Diary of the Dead. That scene with all the zombies erupting from the river yeah. to take down Fiddler's Green and Land of the Dead, very strong. Uh, you yeah. know, and it sort of made, briefly, zombies kind of intimidating for a, a, a brief moment again. Mm -hmm. There's nothing close to that here. Mm. Nothing close to that here. Mm. Alan Van Sprang is our lead, and I guess we like him because he's a cool badass, but we kind of hurt that we know that he's sort of, you know, established himself stealing guns off of yeah, teenagers. He's, 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 he's kind of a Yeah, he's not a nice person. But the people that he has to deal with on this island are all so impossibly stubborn and ignorant that they're more of an obstacle than, <laughs> than the zombies. I'm almost sympathetic to just shoot them and take their farm because they're this you know goddamn you're, you're, dumb. You know when you're in a bad place when you're cheering for the zombies to eat all the rest of the characters? Really? 
really like, and that's where it starts coming to and it's unfortunate because all of these Canadian actors that I see in Canadian movies and television are, are showing up and I gotta you know if I could get a gig in a Romero movie I would have been in this fucking movie yeah. and I would have been thrilled to be there yeah. but I would have been there knowing unfortunately that I was in the worst of the Romero zombie movies which is kind of heartbreaking and he doesn't bring anything new. I guess, like, with Diary, he thought he was bringing something new with the Force Perspective. My yeah, but argument... He's trying to make it uh, a Western comedy, which is... Well, but as far as the zombies go, we there's a subplot in which one of the characters is trying to convince the zombies to find alternate food sources. Yeah. A character's twin sister has turned into a zombie, and she is able to somehow... It's not a docile zombie, but the zombie seems less freaked by her. Yeah. And uh, anomalously to the other zombies, wait for it, this zombie goes horseback riding from time to time. Heavy sigh. <laughs> <laughs> very, very lady Godiva, but she keeps the clothes on. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, So, the whole twist of the movie, and I'm just going to completely spoil the end of the movie, but yeah. because these people can't stop their feuding and a-fighting, even though they solution they are actually successful in convincing the zombies to eat an alternate food source. Mm -hmm. They're too busy and too convinced that the things are fucked to stop and have the conversation. And the person who is about to give them that information is shot and killed before they have that opportunity. And the two patriarchs of the two feuding families, of course, end up dead. And we roll credits on their zombies still fighting each other. In this endless, pointless fucking fight. Yeah. If the theme of the movie was pointlessness, I guess there's some success, because that's kind of how I felt as the credits rolled. Yeah. And what you said about the computer effects. Yeah, they're pretty bad here. The worst of all of the six, yet again. Yeah. So I've just taken a hot, wet shit all over Survival of the Dead. I was going to say, tell me... What tell would you me, like to say about Survival um, of the Dead? Once again, it's definitely the weakest of the movies. Just the whole concept that he's tried to make a comedy western and a zombie film, it did not work. I did not find any of it funny. Um, I like, the like once again, the sort of connection from Diary. I thought that, you know, it sort of expanded the universe somewhat. Yeah. Um, but everything about this movie just seemed very false note. Um, whether it's the dialogue, the story itself, um, it, he's revisiting old themes about how people struggling to sort of take care of the dead, thinking that their loved ones and a cure had been made. We've seen this story, yeah. so there's nothing new to it. Um, yeah, it, it kind of ends in a thud, and it is sort of disappointing that this might be the last Romero zombie film that he does make, and if so... You know, it's like the Star Wars trilogy. Like the new one is definitely the weakest. Yeah. So it's unfortunate it's, to finish. It's that disappointing. Way. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe Night of the Living Dead Origins will be a brilliant screenplay. It's mercifully short, though. That was the one thing. <laughs> yeah, ninety minutes. Yeah. So. And I'm a completist, so you know, I, I I'm gonna watch it. But unlike Diary, because honestly, when I first watched Diary, yeah. my heart was a little bit broken too. Yeah, but uh, like you said, when I revisited it, I actually liked it. Yeah. So I optimistically, you know, gave it some time and came back to Survival of the Dead, and it stung just as much the yeah. second time. Yeah. I don't know. It's unfortunate that, that, that this is where we finish with Romero, but 
That said, I would just take a moment to, instead of cursing the darkness, let's light a candle. <laughs> <laughs> candle in the wind. In a world where zombie movies come out every week, Survival of the Dead does nothing to distinguish itself. But I'm sure there's an audience of people out there who will like it more than Complete, I do. Completest will and see it. People might like it more than I do. I think that maybe if this movie wasn't written and directed by George Romero, yeah. I might like it more. But yeah. because I hold Romero to a higher standard and feel that he could do better than this, yeah. this kind of chaffs me. Yeah. But I have nothing but gratitude to Romero for creating this entire zombie universe. He's given us so he much. He has given us so, so much. much. So um, this is the movie he wanted to make. He always wanted to make a Western. He got to make that Western. A lot of the times people say that uh, this, the passion project, the project you want to make your entire yeah. life, is usually your worst film. Yeah. To everybody except you. So part of me hopes that, to Romero, this is his favorite film. <laughs> because otherwise, it doesn't make sense to me. So it was time to rank these six George Romero zombie movies. I don't think we're going to match, dude. No? No. <laughs> I don't know. I thought there was a chance today, but we'll find out. All right. <laughs> um, but if so... I know that we're going to match so, in some places. <laughs> yes. If so, we should just celebrate. <laughs> yes. All right. Should we get to it? Yeah. What was your least favorite and well, why? Well, <laughs> survival of the dead. dead no surprise it's definitely the, the weak child of the of the family the black sheep if you will yeah it's it's just one large thud it's stanky stanky yeah. like my feet sometimes yeah you wouldn't guess that it was a romero film no no you really wouldn't you really wouldn't um so that would be number six i guess that would be number six number five it's close it's close but dire of the dead would be number five um, just the whole concept has been been there, done that. You know, you're not doing anything new there, George. I think the writing's a little bit better, and it's got. And as a zombie thriller, it has its moments. Yeah. The low budget definitely hurts it. Um, once again, we're biased against CGI gore and blood. Usually, I mean, we're old school prosthetics. If it's done well, I'll give it a pass. Yeah. But I can't call it well done in in this case. Okay. Uh, I guess next it would be Day of the Dead. I think the acting is, is is too over the top. The villains talk like this all the time with naughty potty mouths. Yeah. And it just, you know, it's very high school acting. Yeah. Um, especially considering that I know he can direct actors. Um, sometimes he gets lucky, but it just, I had no connection to the characters. I couldn't wait for the movie to be over every time those soldiers talked. Right. And when they do die, it's glorious. <laughs> 
But no tears are shed for them. That no. is true. But it's they have that. The special effects are amazing. Though. Absolutely. Uh, next up would be Land of the Dead. I think the story and concept, uh, and also the budget obviously helps. Um, it didn't bother you as much that you are clearly meant to sympathize with the zombies, just because, you know, I love me some monsters, and they're great zombies, but I get where you're coming from. Um, I, I love the whole Donald Relf, Donald Rumston. Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld, excuse me. A little homage, if you will. Wink, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge, George. Uh, then followed by the original. And it was tough saying this, because yeah. both are so good. But Night of the Living Dead is so good. The black and white helps it, I think. I mean, it doesn't forget its B-movie roots, but no one knew what they had. I don't think even George knew what they had. Yeah. It is literally lightning in a bottle. Um, the concept is so strong um, that it just elevates it. it it's just a very good story. Yeah. And so some pretty horrifying moments. Shout out to the whole idea that the, the sound of music was done, all done with their whole you know, cheap collection of stock. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And at number one, one of the best horror movies ever made, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead is a great horror movie slash social commentary on capitalism and consumer, con- consumerism. Um... It has definitely. It's. Well, I think it's the most suspenseful out of all of them. There's just sequences of of, of the soldiers fighting with zombies on all on top of each other, and the whole bitey bitey. Yeah. It, that's that's horrifying to me, and it slows squirmy. zombies. Squirmy, and it slows zombies. Or you see these things walking down the hallway. They just don't stop. There's that constant dread. There's that other zombie movie, The Dead, that has that great sequence in Africa where the guy is, is sleeps in a tree because there's so many zombies walking around everywhere. And he can't even get a good night's sleep because eventually zombies start climbing the tree to come after and get them. It's inevitable. They'll yeah, get you. They're after you. And Dawn, it makes that very, very real. Um, and there's so many great oh, characters. Zombies. So Dawn of the Dead, then. Dawn of the Dead is number one. Okay. Well, we're close, but no cigars. Yeah, so I figured. Um, in sixth place, yeah. unsurprisingly, Survival of the Dead. Yeah. When the big twist of the film is unleashed and a major character has her brains blown out, yeah. I felt absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah. Like, I guess the credits were going to roll soon and I felt good about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, ouch. I don't like to be severe. I don't like to be, you know, snarky and tauntful, especially about a director whom I love. Yeah. But if any film deserves it, it's Survival of the Dead. Yep. Maybe it's worth watching just for that. <laughs> yeah. If you're a completist. In in, in uh, fifth place, and the rest of the movies I recommend, by the way, in fifth place I will put Diary of the Dead. Uh, I think it's half good and half okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just wish that they almost wouldn't have bothered with the Force perspective yep. in, in some ways. You know, maybe you just wanted to do almost an anthology zombie movie, just a bunch of short stories. No one's tried that yet. How about a strictly anthology zombie themed movie? How about it, Hollywood? Uh, Diary of Dead isn't that, but it's interesting and watchable enough in its own right. In, uh, so this would be fourth place now, Land of the Dead. Yeah, see, that's why I figured you would. <laughs> um, I love the production values, and I love the casting. Yeah, and I, I think that this is like an assured, confident form in good form. Romero, 
I think he had time to get that script the way he wanted it to be, warts and all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he had the budget to execute the vision. Yeah. So, yay. I, I, it's unfortunate that he came out late enough in the zombie sort of renaissance that it wasn't more of a hit than it kind of deserved to be. Yeah. I think it's under-recognized. A lot of people are dismissive of Land of the Dead. Mm. The reason I still have to put Day of the Dead in third place, because, like, I know it's dark, and I know that the acting, especially by our antagonists, is Mm -hmm. harsh. I do think that this movie, as flawed as it is, is doing exactly what Romero wanted it to do. I think he was in a dark place, and he meant to make a bitter, bleak fucking movie. And he did. And he did. Now, it's not as fun, especially coming off the bounce and pomp of Dawn of the Dead, and what would be the relatively, you know, comparable <laughs> light land of the dead. Yeah. This is the darkest corner. Of, this is the dark, long dark night of the soul for, for Romero. <laughs> and uh, he went there, and he didn't, he didn't flinch. And it ended up hurting him in the long run. But I kind of respect, in a lot of ways, the vision. And we've said it before, and we'll say it again. If you're here for the for the teeth and tissue, yeah. if you're here for the special effects and the zombie gore, yeah. Day of the Dead's number one on the list, yeah. if that's where you're coming from. Uh, it, it's, it, like, it almost feels like a forbidden film, like you're seeing things that you shouldn't see, mm-hmm. and it's kind of effective for that, so there it is. Second place, I agree with you, Night of the Living Dead. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And it is a capital C classic. Yeah. But for every one time I will watch Night of the Living Dead, I'll probably watch Dawn of the Dead twice. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead is fun and yeah. and and big and you know, frightening and, and, and frightening. It's frightening. It's a frightening idea and it's a frightening movie. The trajectory of the story and the sort of shifts in tone, I, you can't compare it to anything else. Mm-hmm. I know it's really hardcore 70s, and I know that the zombies look blue, mm-hmm. and I know that there's a sort of dissociation through time that a lot of people will feel mm-hmm. and find it hard to watch, and I frankly feel sorry for them, yep. because they're missing out on one of the greatest horror movies I personally have ever seen. Yep. Hyperbole? Perhaps. Yes. I fucking love me some George Romero. <laughs> yeah, it's good. And it's a, it's it's a classic movie. I'm sorry, George, for all the shit talking about survival of the dead, but you know, it, it, it's the same thing I say about the Coen Brothers or, or like a, any filmmakers that I really love. In a way, it makes me harder on them. Yeah, I just expect more, and I expect more than survival of the dead from a man who made night, dawn, day, and land of the dead. Fair enough. Little side note for A Night of the Living Dead. Um, there are some classic movies that don't age well. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and they don't do well over time. I'm looking at you, Texas Chainsaw, and also Blair Witch to some extent, because I don't think Blair Witch has aged all that well. But Night, I can still put on and still get thrown into that universe without even question. There's something about it that is, and, and like, it's a scary, and it's, it, I mean, it's got its creaks and moans because of its age. I mean, it's a small budget film from the 60s, is it not? Yeah, 68. 68. Yeah. But I still get engaged by it. It's, it works. It, it works. It, it's so good. Terrifying. Terrifying. Uh, I'm just going to drop down an honorary Jerry Award here yeah. to George A. Romero. Yeah. 
Um, like I say, I, I, it feels like we're doing a post-mortem, and we're not. Romero is still around, and um, maybe he'll surprise me, and, and he does have another movie in him. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably going to produce this Romero, you know, zombie TV series and collect his money, is my guess. But, yeah. like I said, I will I will watch anything that he, that he brings, yeah. and uh, I just want to say thanks. And I, if you have not heard Romero... Uh, yeah. Get on it. Well, uh, You're I'm missing glad out. You, I'm glad you listened to this podcast. You're missing out. And uh, you can look at some of the other Romero, but I think that when you look at the his work with Stephen King and his work with the zombies are, are really where you want to focus. Well, that may wrap things up for the Romero-thon, but uh, there's still a lot more to be said about this zombie genre, and there will be more Of the Dead Rankin Review episodes to come. I hope you enjoyed this special episode of Rankin Review, and I hope if you have any feedback to send me that you will do so at rankinreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. My name's Larry Parsons, I'm your host in Random Canadian, and I really appreciate you listening. If you could be good enough as to give us a positive review on iTunes or like the page on Facebook, just follow us on Twitter, anything like that would help the morale and help sort of keep the lights going for me, because the more people listening, the more worthwhile this whole thing feels. Thanks, you guys, and we'll see you again.